I am absolutely comfortable with the fact that men marrying men, women marrying women, and heterosexual men and women marrying women are entitled to the same exact rights, all the civil rights, all the civil liberties. And quite frankly, I don't see much of a distinction uh, beyond that. It is important for me to go ahead and affirm that uh, I think same-sex couples should be able to get married. Now to that historic Supreme Court decision legalizing same-sex marriage across the land, and it's profound. The five to four vote in many ways reflecting the huge societal shift of the last 20 years. The camera would zero in on happy couples kissing and hugging and all the, how thrilled they were to be able to participate in this institution. And I think for a lot of Americans who were wary of it or hadn't given much thought, this kind of put a human face and turned it from an abstract political debate into a human interest story in which it became harder to deny uh, that there was anything terrible about people, people getting married, but at the same time... Disappointed. Uh, I'm disappointed because our, our government is uh, recognizing sin. This court is endorsing sin. And I'm, I'm just concerned about where we head. And then also, is there going to be discrimination against uh, uh, churches, against organizations like what I represent? who are going to stand by the biblical definition of marriage? Or will, will we be discriminated against by the government? And Franklin, that does seem to be a valid concern that people have. Ladies and gentlemen, the courageous, the stunning, Caitlyn Jenner. All across this country right now, all across the world, at this very moment, there are young people coming to terms with being transgender. This transition has been harder on me than anything I could imagine. And that's the case for so many others besides me. For that reason alone, trans people deserve something vital. They deserve your respect. Well, a little over a month ago, North Carolina enacted the so-called bathroom law, which critics were quick to call discrimination against transgender people. Demonstrators descended on the state capitol. Companies like PayPal called off planned expansions. Some celebrities canceled appearances, and then politicians weighed in. You see someone who is obviously a man, regardless of whether they're wearing a dress or not. I think a woman in a restroom where she expects to only be with women or a girl who expects to be with girls has a right to feel uncomfortable about that and um, to feel like her privacy has been violated. It's a privacy issue, even if their safety is never violated in practice. So it would be very, very easy for uh, a few individuals with full male athletic capability to completely swamp the women. And we saw that in the Rio Olympics. So I transitioned to be a woman. I respect women. That's what I am now. And I just think it is grossly unfair. You are stealing people's dreams. Wow. Okay. Governor DeSantis says a new law banning transgender females from playing on girls' sports teams will protect what he calls the fairness and integrity of women's sports. Um, it's important to have integrity in the competition. And we think it's important that they're able to compete on a level playing field and uh, you know you've seen what's happened when you don't have that in Florida this week coined by opponents as the don't say gay bill it forbids instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity for kindergarten through third grade I don't care what corporate media outlets say I don't care what Hollywood says I don't care what big corporations say here I stand I'm not backing down 
In 2006, Mike Pence declared that gay marriage would spell the demise of American civilization. Only a decade later, the Supreme Court ruled that gay marriage was the law of the land, and the following year, he and Donald Trump were elected to the White House. So it's possible Mike Pence was exactly right about his prediction of societal doom, just not exactly in the way he intended. The realization that there was no more demagogic gold in the gay marriage hills meant that social conservatives would have to be organized around a new monster hiding under their bed. And beginning with the 2016 bathroom bills in North Carolina and the subsequent relocation of the NBA All-Star game it inspired, trans people would take over for the role of Mike and Sully doing televised rares and scares to our most vulnerable bigoted grandparents alongside the entertainment and culture industries lending their support. But for all the bellyaching conservatives do about Hollywood, the last seven years shows there's nothing they love more than a lazy remake. The full court press against trans people, especially in schools, is straight out of their 1970s anti-gay playbook when right-wing politicians began to ask whether it was safe or ideal for society to put children at risk by having gay people around them at all. Today, trans students are subjected to violations against their privacy, especially if they try out for sports and risk being outed by school faculty to their families, while gay teachers work in an environment where the disclosure of their identity could spell the end of their teaching career if they work in the wrong state. Florida is also going after low-income LGBT families wherever it can, as a federal judge upheld a Florida rule banning trans people from seeking gender-affirming care via Medicaid. All this came to a national head around Florida's efforts to pass the Don't Say Gay bill, which prohibited the discussion of sexuality and gender identity from kindergarten to third grade. Only after the bill was signed into law and mounting pressure came from their own workers to speak out did Disney, the largest single-site employer in the country and a major political contributor to the Republican Party of Florida, say that maybe this law was in fact not it. This led to an immediate retributive effort over the course of three days to remove Disney World's special tax status over Reedy Creek District and the possible dumping of billions in sudden tax liabilities on local residents, with Ron DeSantis now casting himself as a virtuous warrior poet against the Sauron and Sauron of our time, gay children and cartoon mice. For all this and more, I'm joined by my co-host, Tomas. Tomas, how are you doing? Good. Who's the Gandalf? Uh, I don't know. We need a Gandalf. I guess that's probably why everyone is feeling so stressed, is there's yeah. not an apparent Gandalf. Good question, huh? Maybe Ida is the Gandalf or the Galadriel, whatever. And we're joined by Ida V. Escamani, the resident people's advocate for the state of Florida. Ida, how are you doing? Hi, I'm holding up. Um, that intro was rightfully very depressing. Um, I don't think I'm Gandalf, um, but, <laughs> but I'm <Yeah>. doing my part. <laughs> so can you just walk us through um, the recent pivot since the mid-2010s um, among social conservatives pivoting from gay marriage when it was clear that, you know, the national mood had shifted on that issue towards trans people um, as a North Star for them to organize around and the efforts that the Florida state government have played um, in in that vehicle. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a classic tactic by the far right to sort of pick on a community that people either don't understand or can't relate to and to use that to leverage fear. One of their main motivating factors is fear and this divide and conquer tactic, which we've seen really for centuries, right? When you look at uh, movements around white supremacy, uh, xenophobia, uh, it's always about targeting a community that people don't understand uh, and using that to sort of put all the blame to, right? And that's a classic tactic by the far right. You see it, of course, when it comes to immigrants. You've seen it when it comes to returning citizens. Uh, and of course, you've seen it with the LGBTQ community. We, we were at a moment in a movement where 
uh, particularly things like gay marriage, you know, same-sex marriage, uh, were becoming mainstream and the norm. And so those issues weren't uh, as powerful as an anchor for the far right anymore because more and more conservatives and more and more just everyday people were comfortable with the idea of same-sex marriage. And so as the far right was sort of losing that as an issue, they pivoted to targeting the transgender community, right? Um, and really just these really disgusting ways uh, reframing you know, your gender identity around calling, making these like new terms like gender ideology, right? All these like scary, weird terms that come from nowhere that no one uses, but the Heritage Foundation cooked it up in some laboratory, right? And all of a sudden, Republicans and and conservatives are repeating these terms. You know, you see it on their media machine, you see elected officials saying, you see candidates saying it, and, you know, demonizing a community that, again, is is actually vulnerable to hate crimes and being targeted uh, and we should be supporting uh, that's bothering nobody, just living your life like you do. Um, and, you know, you saw that just entire uh, machine pivot to this community. And it's a slippery slope, right, in the sense of targeting a community that folks don't uh, maybe don't know as well, don't understand. So it's vulnerable to being misconstrued and um, targeted for disinformation. Uh, but then once they tackle that, they're, they're going to move to again, to same-sex marriage and to everything else, right? And to all of our fundamental rights. And you see that already happening. So um, that's like the, in a nutshell. But of course, you know, we've seen these moments like Florida for 20 plus years was able to beat back every anti-LGBTQ piece of legislation. It wasn't actually until just last, the session before last, when they targeted trans kids playing sports, that right. a anti-LGBTQ bill passed the Florida legislature. Um, we've been able to beat every single one of those bills and a huge, um, you know, gratitude to organizations like Equality Florida and so many LGBTQ led and driven organizations that were able to build, you know, bipartisan support and leverage, you know, connect working organize like uh, organizations that represent working people with corporations around like at least we can agree around non-discrimination policy. Right. But now we're at a place where um, all those rights are on the line. Yeah, Ida, that's interesting because you you kind of touched on some things that I wanted to ask you about. So first, you worked for Equality Florida, correct? Uh, one of the most influential uh, LGBTQ rights organizations in the state. And you mentioned bipartisan support for pro-LGBTQ uh, legislation in the past. And you mentioned a turning point uh, against those issues uh, by the Republican Party. And I remember... Uh, when when the Don't Say Gay bill was being discussed uh, this year, one of the uh, hypocrites that was called out was Jackie Toledo, uh, you know, a member of the uh, Florida legislature uh, on the Republican side who was recently running for Congress. But, you know, Equality Florida and other groups were highlighting how she used to actually like march with them, I believe. And now, you know, she's like, of Ireland, like homophobe and probably always was. I mean, who knows what's, you know, actually inside her head. Uh, if she's just like a political opportunist or a homophobe or both. But I, I guess, you know, when, when did, when did you start like noticing this, you know, like break or, or, or turnaround or was it always there? Like, you know, I don't know. What was your experience with that? Yeah. You know, my theory is that, a lot of politicians, particularly the Republican Party, uh, in, in that moment when they were pro-LGBTQ, it was because that was what was popular, right? It was polling well in that sense. And again, they hadn't yet sort of figured out 
oh, actually it's, it's, we think our theory to victory rather than building like consensus and collaboration with, you know, the LGBTQ community, we're just going to go really far right and villainize. Right. And that's been connected to a national movement too. And really an international movement when you really look at what the far right is building, where I think that the Republican party has decided, oh, actually, rather than being common sense and mainstream, we're going to run far to the right and speak to really the ugliest sort of like pieces of humanity and just count on that to galvanize people. Right. That's our theory of change. Right. And so to your question around when, you know, the shift was seen, I mean, to your point, you know, Representative Toledo was the, I believe the co-sponsor of the Florida Competitive Workforce Act, which was a bill that would have banned statewide, um, uh, discrimination based on uh, sexual orientation and gender identity in the workplace. And actually that law, uh, that bill did not pass, but it became state law via the, the Florida Human Rights Standards um, and Commission. So that was a huge victory for the LGBTQ community. And we had, like I said, you, like, you, like you had noted, Republicans supporting those efforts. And then, to your point, I mean, it feels very opportunistic when, oh, the, and also it's, opportun, it's, it's opportunistic, but it also feels very cowardly, candidly, right? Where you have these folks that are just going to march with the, what the party line is telling them, march with whatever far right think tank, you know, that is funded by God knows what to, to pursue, right? Because all of a sudden, the entire party, instead of talking about how, you know, uh, equality means business and it's great for businesses, they're now talking about how, uh, you know, all this fear mongering around sports and in uh, the and the trans community. And the other piece that I'll know is, you know, to your point, Tomas, like the bathroom stuff was an anchor, right? But then I think what the far right realized was that, oh, that doesn't stick well because it doesn't make sense. It led to a lot of backlash. So then they went to sports, right? So they've been just like throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. And they saw sports as like this opening, even though, you know, again, there's so few, if any, students that are engaged in this, right? And the, the, there's no issue. There's never been an issue, but they are so good at manufacturing a crisis. The far right is really good at sort of creating a dragon and then slaying it while ignoring all the real crises, right? That's another like classic tactic of the far right. But you see folks like Jackie Toledo who marched with Equality Florida and Pride, who sponsored bills, who all of a sudden is repeating these really disgusting talking points, targeting some of the most vulnerable people in our state. And it's very opportunistic. It's very homophobic and transphobic. And it's really important to note that the trans community is the one very much tar targeted by these pieces. Um, and uh, that is sort of the community that people understand the least. And that's why they're, they're focused on that community. But then again, it's going to, it impacts all of our fundamental freedoms. It's all connected to basic bodily autonomy and our right to do whatever we want with our bodies. And the government should not have a say in what we do with our, our bodies and our, the conversations that we have with our doctors and our families and our faith. And so it's really linked to this overall fight around control and who's controlling us. So on that note of like the bit, the bathroom bills, for example, I think also part of the pivot was that was geared, that was aimed at a, like the assumption was adults would not want to share a bathroom with a trans person, basically. I think when they saw that most adults were fine, they pivoted towards kids. Like that's when they went to the schools because this like, it's easy to speak on behalf of kids because they don't speak themselves. You know, you can put your words in their mouths or speak on their behalf. Um, I want to ask like, what are the main organizations in Florida that are, I guess, ginning up this message around schools. Like we, you were mentioning a gender ideology. The implication there being that 
we are either trying to indoctrinate your children into accepting trans people, or we're trying to indoctrinate them into becoming trans themselves. Uh, I want to ask, like on the ground, obviously not every organization can be as wonderful and beautiful as Equality Florida. What are some of the organizations that are rallying around this message and amplifying this, that children are at risk from victim from victimization by trans people yeah uh i mean there are uh you know a few really far right groups that are really extreme inserting politics into our schools and really ignoring the actual issues our schools are facing monster liberty is a good example right um uh you know we call them moms for bigotry my brother calls them moms for stupidity because <laughs> like, he is just like you know it, they're basically trying to erase basic history they are targeting vulnerable children they do it under this guise of parental rights when it has nothing to do with parents and lgbtq kids right and of course there are so many parents fighting back i was door knocking here in orlando just yesterday talking to a father of a, of a little girl and he's like I never used to care this much about politics until I had a daughter, and I just cannot believe what the Republican Party is doing right now when it comes to abortion rights and when it comes to my daughter and what she's learning in schools. And I want her to know basic history, right? And that's why, like, I have this bigger theory, and this is just a theory, right? So I want you to, like, take it with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. But all of this feels very connected to the far right's attack on public education, right? They're making public education mm -hmm. the most miserable and ineffective institution that exists. They're chasing teachers away. They are targeting vulnerable students. Uh, they are not funding education, right? They're shifting dollars to private, unaccountable charter schools that are um, often, you know, faith-based and also discriminating against LGBTQ people. And so it's, it's at the same time, you know, they're, they're, when you follow the money, you see all these like private contracts and it's linked to the privatization of all these systems, right? You link attacks on unions and teacher unions to this too. So there's an assault on public education. There's also just an assault on education, right? The, the, the far right wins when people are not educated, when people are not empowered to know these things. And history will repeat itself if we don't teach it. And so you wonder why the far right is out here banning books. I mean, it's, it is, it is so clear to me that uh, there is an effort here um, that is just so, just, it's so fascist, right? This idea of like rewriting history and erasing communities. And, you know, there's this um, theory in, it's actually, it's a propaganda tool that the far right has used. And it's an international, like, human rights law. Um, and it's called accusation in a mirror. And it's basically gaslighting or projecting. And it's a far right propaganda tool. It's linked to acts of mass violence. And so every time I see these far right elected leaders sort of gaslight and project, right, they accuse us of doing what they are actually doing. I see this propaganda tool in action, right? And I'm sort of like, oh, so that's what they're going to be doing, right? And so <laughs> it's very revealing once you understand that. Um, but it's it's just really horrifying that what we're witnessing. But I do feel like it's linked to this broader attack on public education and on communities that challenge the status quo, because the LGBTQ community is one which does not subscribe to the rigid patriarchal system that maintains the power structure. And I can tell you that as someone who is lobbying in the halls of Tallahassee, as a woman, as a woman of color, as a daughter of immigrants, we are a threat to the establishment. This place is not built for us, right? It's built for white land-owning men, and they are threatened by those of us that are challenging the status quo. And so this is all linked to 
political control, as well as sort of just dumbing down our society so that we're not aware of these things, these things that are happening, right? And so they can like keep control. And the last thing I'll say is when you link it to the assaults on higher education, right, you just see this like coordinated effort by the far right, not just in Florida, but state by state to take over our education system, to indoctrinate our, our youth, right? Um, and to erase history so they're not, they're not able to be held accountable. Yeah, I, I mean, a couple of thoughts there. So, I, you know, I, I think this stuff that you mentioned around the attacks on public education in Florida, you know, I think it's part of a larger uh, multi-generational project by the right wing in Florida that, uh, quite frankly, predates DeSantis. I mean, DeSantis has, uh, you know, injected his own authoritarianism and, and just outright fascism. Uh, and I, I say that without, you know, meaning to be hyperbolic, but it's just the truth. But, you know, it, it's a classic neoliberal tactic that is not only found in, like, you know, Republican states. This actually happens in, 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 in liberal states, but it's, you know, obviously, like, much more prevalent in Republican areas of um, intentionally sabotaging public institutions uh, for the sake of privat- privatization and and and. and inserting a profit motive into it, right? And in Florida, we've seen it with the public education system where they, again, they're sabotaging public schools to, you know, uh, move forward, you know, the the so-called pro-choice, you know, portfolio and charter schools and private schools. They did it with the unemployment system that Rick Scott intentionally uh, sabotaged and we saw implode <laughs> during covid uh, you know, Jeb Bush, who's now seen as a pragmatic, you know, yeah. moderate uh, governor, like that dude straight up abolished the Department of Labor when he was a governor. You know what I mean? So it, it's just part of a very radical, extreme agenda that we've seen play out, you know, over decades and generations here in Florida. And it's now in hyperdrive. Yeah. And Tomas. When you follow the money, you'll see with these private contracts, right? It's it's political favors. When you see who's being appointed to these different boards that are doing these things, they're big donors. When you see, you know, these like small government Republicans taking these big cushy government jobs, like Secretary of Education, for example, and doing favors for their friends and donors as well. So like everything, there's a money motive to your point. And I think that's really important to note is that there are entities profiteering off of these policies that are targeting vulnerable communities, uh, but there's always a profit margin involved. And that is a big piece of that privatization piece is when you follow the money, usually you will realize, oh, this is the motivation, right? Like the racism and the transphobia and the xenophobia is the bonus to it. But then you often find there is some sort of money trail where someone is profiteering off this issue and it's our tax dollars paying for it, which makes me so angry because there's so much need in our communities and it's not a matter of not having the money to pay for it. Our taxes are more than enough to cover all the needs that we have. Just money is being burned in political favors to donors. It's just, it's just, it's wild that it's how the state is being run right now. Yeah, and it's it's funny that you mentioned that because it kind of touches on, on the other part of, of what I was going to get at, which, first of all, I, I want to emphasize Ron DeSantis' political career because he's always been a insane right-wing extremist, one of the founding members of the Freedom Caucus, you know, obstructionist congressman when he was in the House. But if you look at his, you know, speeches and voting record, 
he was never like particularly a culture warrior when he was in the house and within and in his first two years of of being a governor i mean he was anti-immigrant and obviously like a scumbag but he wasn't this unhinged right and in fact there's quotes that i've read in different profiles where he's actually in on record spoken against like some of the more culture warrior prone members of the tea party at the time when he was in the house it was you know much more about like small government and like you know the deficit and like spending and all the idiotic you know things that like republicans were worried about 15 years ago that no one cares about anymore um but i mentioned this because you know like i want to ask you what is ultimately gonna happen between the governor's standoff against Disney and Reedy Creek because it seems like they passed this idiotic bill during that special legislative session and then everything nothing happened <laughs> you know what I mean and we know uh from friend of the pod Jason Garcia uh incredible invest- investigative journalist that the governor's office has worked in the past with Disney lobbyists to carve them out of legislation like the big tech bill they they carved them out because of the Disney plus uh, platform that qualified as social media. You know, they work, they, they've given them hundreds of millions of dollars worth of corporate tax refunds. What is, what is, what, where was that left off? What's happening with Reedy Creek? Yeah. So the Reedy Creek uh, proposal was brought up last minute during a special session that erased black congressional districts in Florida, which was very politically unpopular. And so it was absolutely, first of all, a flash bomb in a way of like, look over here away from what the governor was doing, which was overriding the legislature and their duty to draw the congressional maps and also erasing black representation in the state of Florida to the benefit of the overall National Republican Party, right, Uh, as we have congressional races right now. Um, And so that was happening. And they threw this Disney Reedy Creek piece. uh, And to your point, uh, the governor has a track record of working with Disney, not just in carve-outs, but when you look at all the different corporate tax giveaways the governor has signed into law, all that information is secret regarding who gets what tax uh, giveaways according to state law. And we've also put forward um, legislative proposals to make the information transparent, which for some reason the Republican uh, caucus refuses to hear and vote down uh, every time it comes up. But <laughs> I digress. Uh, and so... We don't know exactly what Disney has benefited from that, but we can assume they're, they're getting something from the state, like millions of dollars of our tax dollars, right? Um, so to your point about the proposal, though, so I'll note a few things. So to your point, nothing has happened. Um, on the floor debate, Republicans essentially said that if Disney gets back in line and behaves, nothing will happen um, and that they, they'll trickle back could on we, it. Could we interrogate... Could we interrogate that term? What did they define as behaving? Yeah, so first of all, this is... Okay, here's the other piece, right? So it's actually... I'm not a lawyer, right? But it's generally unconstitutional. That's why. <laughs> but- that's why I'm going to heaven. <laughs> I, okay, no comment. I, I have a lot of nice lawyers in my life, but I like that. I appreciate that joke. But the there is in Florida's like constitution, generally laws have to be applied universally, so you can't just punitively like pass a law to target one company, right? That is generally we right. acknowledge that's like not constitutional. So. Randy Fine, Representative Randy Fine, basically said on the record this was to punish Disney, which on the legislative record will certainly help any lawsuit to challenge this law if it were to be implemented, because he basically admitted that this is to punish Disney, which is illegal. Um, They also said things on the record. And to your point, they didn't, to your question, 
they did not specifically define what that means in the sense of like go sure. back, like behave, get back in line. What we can assume is that it means shut up and take your tax breaks and don't get involved. Don't speak out against our culture. Push, exactly. Basically. Exactly. Um, yeah. and, and as you noted earlier, I mean, Disney only got involved kind of after the fact. I mean, as an advocate, I was annoyed and frustrated because it felt very much they were only doing it to save face after the law passed to say we stand with the community, but where were you before? Um, And so there's that piece because I can tell you as an advocate that Disney is often on the wrong side of history when it comes to labor protections, when it comes to corporate tech giveaways, um, when it comes to big tech issues. Um, They are not an ally of the people. And I I didn't really see that on this fight either. Um, But to, to your question... So it felt like basically if you restart your campaign contributions and if you shut up and sit down, you'll be okay. But then also, let's say Disney does decide to litigate this. Um, There's a few pieces that are to their advantage, that universal application piece I just noted. Um, And also, there's a way to interpret the Constitution where these special districts, if you're going to disband them, it actually has to go to a referendum locally, in which case they would vote against it. Um, and you know, we've heard rumors that they're working behind the scenes for a fix and a solution. And the truth is, there's also, we should have a a conversation around these special districts. Um, there's many of them and many of them like Reedy Creek are silly, Um, but specifically punishing a company for exercising free speech is not, um, acceptable behavior. And also the issue with Reedy Creek is that there's a lot of public employees that would lose their jobs and there wasn't a plan in place to support them either. Right. Um, so to your question of t- to Tomas, like what's going to happen? I mean, if history tells us anything, this is a flash bomb that's going to lead to nothing. Um, now, of course, there was stories coming out around if this were to happen, it's the taxpayers that will foot the bill, right, of Disney's debt, basically. In which case, the governor, giving no actual real solution, said we would handle it. Um, you know, and and that was that. No questions asked. And so, um, so you know, that's that's the current situation. To your point, nothing has happened, um, and I would I would guess nothing will happen. That either Disney will figure it out behind the scenes, or litigation will be on their side. In part because. Republicans really gave them favors on the record around that. Um, and uh, I think a lot of Republicans were strong-armed to do this by the governor as well. So um, it's really sad how many of these Republican lawmakers who are like very, you know, well-known in their communities, they campaign just as hard as many of us. Many of them are very wealthy, right? But they come up to the Capitol and just do everything the governor tells them to do, like, you know, little soldiers. And honestly, it's it's like... It's, it's very cowardly and disappointing to watch because all of a sudden you come up, you worked so hard to get to this position of power and you have no power. And so it's, they're, it's just making a mockery of our losers. entire system. They're losers. And, you know, again, I don't want to be hyperbolic because the term fascism gets thrown around so much. But, you know, anybody who studied these things can recognize this, that what Florida did with Disney, and I'm no fan of Disney. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think they're a terrible, evil company um and you know and they deserve to be heavily regulated but what happened in florida it has fascist characteristics because a fascist government believe, believes in not in the regulatory power of the state but in 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 in, in, a, in a further intervention from the state in terms of the the ideological interest of independent economic actors, right, of companies. What we saw in Florida was the state government 
punish a company that dared to criticize and contradict the ideological orientation of the state. And what's even more worrisome, it was regarding what the state saw as the natural, quote unquote, social hierarchy that they want to impose on all of us, which is a like verbatim, like fascist, you know, trait. So it, I think it's just extremely worrisome. And I think it's, you know, we, we don't have to get into this because this could we could be we need another pod for this, another podcast episode. But there's this huge undercurrent in, in, in the American conservative movement where they have become comfortable in outright saying we are no longer the, the party of small government. And they outright call for using state power, government power is a blunt instrument to squash ideas they don't like, whether it's through higher education institutions or public schools or private businesses or corporations or whatever it is. And that is a very worrisome and scary trend in American public discourse and, you know, in regards to our freedom of speech. If I could just add an addendum to that, if you read their their literature, they really do believe in that like Andrew Breitbart maxim of politics is downstream from culture. But they recognize the problem is that conservatives, ideological social conservatives, I could say, because fiscal conservatives most certainly are running a lot of our for-profit you know, media enterprises. Um, that's why they're happy to have the corporate handouts in the first place. But they are not cultural conservatives in the way that a lot of these more, um, like you say, fascist ideologues would like. So they need the intervention um, where they do have power, which is the state house. Through gerrymandering, they do control a lot of state legislatures and they control a lot of governorships as well. They need to rely on an intervention from the state in order to force the hand of these cultural actors because they, but the weird thing is they think there will be a downstream political, in other words, if all the trans people were to get back in the closet and if Disney were to not make what they consider to be like pro-LGBT, like, like media, there would be a downstream effect politically. The country would benefit from this somehow instead of it just silencing people from expressing who they are and, and being loved by their friends, family, neighbors, and community. Well, and I, yeah. I, if I could add to it too, and the thing that to me is all the information I need to know is that, you know, CPAC is being yeah. held in Hungary. It's being held in like these, you know, countries that are really yeah. the leaders in like this new wave of fascism. And it used to be when the conservatives in America were sort of exporting their ideology to other countries, but now the conservatives in America are importing it from these like dictatorships, right? And these authoritarian regimes. And so that is sort of what we're seeing. And, you know, I have friends who left, like, I have, I have queer friends who left other countries because they were being prosecuted to come to America, persecuted, excuse me, and coming to America for refuge and realizing that they're actually not safe here. Um, and that is so yeah. just heartbreaking and not what this country is. I think if you ask anybody that like, you know, is believes in the vision of this of this country. And the other thing I'll know is that the governor does not care about our state constitution. He constantly puts forward proposals that he knows are unconstitutional that have been defeated in court, but he does it for that like chest thumping distraction fight, right? And again, when you look through throughout history of this country, particularly around, around white supremacy and anti-Semitism, it's always about divide and conquer, right? They're always dividing and conquering on marginalized communities. They're always uh, fear-mongering and 
just as this assault on transgender people we're witnessing, it's a similar tactic when it comes to immigrants, right? Similar tactic when it comes to returning citizens. Um, and again, it's, it's the same tactic that's been used for decades, even centuries, when it comes to those in power trying to centralize and control their power. And Ida, before, you know, before we let you go, because I, I know we're, re- we're reaching um, kind of like top of the hour and I don't want to like pivot too much, like too abruptly. But, you know, we're talking about corporate power. Uh, we're talking about, you know, corporate interest in the legislature. So I do want to shift the conversation a little bit and talk about the rent stabilization campaign that's happening in uh, in Orange County. It, do you mind just like setting us like up on that and just telling us what is rent stabilization and all your like amazing efforts uh, in Orange County to help renters and ten- tenants? Yeah, we absolutely can. And, you know, to your it's, it's all linked to your point. Right. And the thing about the Florida legislature is these fights, which are critical, take up a lot of the sort of the media air. Right. And at the same time, you see like Disney, for example, pretending that it's like standing up for something. At the same time, they're undermining and getting all these different, you know, gifts from the legislature, right? Whether it comes to like carve outs and the big tech bill, corporate tax breaks, they're trying to erase like basic worker protections, right? And just a note too, you know, so there are trade associations uh, that these different corporations pay into that do their dirty work for them, right? So the Florida Chamber of Commerce, the Associated Industries of Florida, these are the front groups that... Disney, Universal, Florida Empowering Light, Big Sugar, uh, all these different big multinational corporations pay into and they sort of do their dirty work in the legislature. So those brands that we all know don't have to be involved. Um, So these companies are often silent on these big fights when it comes to abortion, when it comes to the LGBTQ community. Um, And while they're totally quiet and not existent on these fights that are impacting their workers and the communities they claim to care about, they're on the side here making more money from the legislature, right? And making big donations to the governor and to uh, Republican uh, elected officials. And that's the other piece, too, that it's hard to know for sure. But, you know, Disney says they're not making donations, but they have donated a lot to the Chamber of Commerce and all these other special interests, right, that are playing in the political field as well and lobbying yeah. actively. And so it's also hard to follow their money, right, and all those pieces. But I digress. To that point, you know, we had some really big fights last session around different corporate accountability issues as well around um, security deposits and basically these fake uh, renter insurance companies trying to come in and remove like the remaining tenant protection we have in Florida, which is around security deposits. Um, We dealt with developers trying to make it easier to turn affordable housing into luxury condos. We defeated both those proposals. We fought a preemption bill that would have removed every single local minimum wage uh, ordinance that we have for public workers and contract workers. Um, we defeated that wage uh, preemption bill. And we also defeated billions in new corporate tax giveaways. And these are really hard fought victories that did not get, you know, uh, the same attention. Um, uh, and which is fine, <laughs> but we fought them very hard and we won those, right? And so I also think we need to expose more of the corporate greed behind a lot of these efforts, like the privatization of our school system and all these other pieces, because a lot of politicians on the right want to be racist and transphobic and xenophobic and homophobic. They don't want to be bought out. And they are just as bought out as they are those things too. And they're always often interconnected, right? Um, and so to your point about rent stabilization, right? So in Florida, 
we have a preemption on rent stabilization. Um, we've had some amazing lawmakers, um, shout out to Representative Ana Escamani, as well as Senator Torres. They have filed, I think for the last three sessions, maybe more, um, a bill that would repeal the current preemption in Florida law that makes it harder to do long-term rent stabilization at the local level. But what is currently in state law is that if your local government declares a housing state of emergency, they can put on the ballot a one-year rent stabilization measure. And so tenants in Orange County have been organizing for years and finally were able to win uh, uh, rent stabilization on the ballot here in Orange County. The language is not perfect. Um, it has a lot of carve-outs in it, right? It, it only impacts units with four or more um, uh, apartments with four or more units, excuse me. Um, there's a lot of, it's only, it's, it only stops caps at 10%, right? And more, um, which is a lot, right? Like if, if you're disagreeing around a 10% rent hike, I mean, I think most people would say that should be illegal, right? Um, and so and it has a few other um, uh, exemptions in it as well, but it's a huge win for our community. And um, it, it's, it would help we don't know exactly how many, but some estimates say around 10,000 renters in Orange County, which is not enough, but it's a start. And, you know, I'm a renter. My rent up went, went up, ugh, sorry, I'm a renter. My rent went up by 17%. Um, and that we're seeing that across the state, right? Uh, rent just skyrocketing. So uh, we won this effort on the ballot uh, up against the, the real estate industry um, and the corporate landlords. And so right now we're sort of in this battle to pass this measure on the ballot. Um, the Florida Realtors and the Florida Apartment Association are two of the big sort of special interest groups that represent big real estate, you know, all these like global corporate landlord like entities, right? Yeah. Um, and and, yeah, and the, big the real estate. That are buying, the, the entities that are buying like single home, like single family units in mass. Exactly. And like jacking up exactly. artificial. Yeah. Exactly. And actually, there was a report recently put out um, by Florida for All called Priced Out of Paradise. And it follows the money uh, from corporate landlords, from the mobile home industry. It's also being bought out by private equity. Um, it follows property insurance, utility companies, uh, and private equity firms and, and, and billionaires. And basically follows their campaign contributions to the Republican Party of Florida, to Ron DeSantis, and to House and Senate Republicans in the state. Uh, the the report tracks uh, nearly like ninety million dollars in campaign contributions um, from like this last election cycle, basically. And you know, poverty is a policy choice. The housing crisis is a policy choice. Yeah. We do not need to be in this situation. But those elected leaders are bought out and allowing it to happen as long as they make profit and their donors make more profit, right? Um, and so to that point. Uh, we got this measure on the ballot, and then, as expected, the Florida Realtors and the Florida Apartment Association have sued. They sued the county to try to stop this measure from going on the ballot. They, uh, the lawsuit is still going, but it is on the ballot. And now they are funding just, I think it's nearly $1 million in attack ads. I get mail every day. I get attack mail every day on this effort. Uh, that is so just like completely deceiving the public about what this does. They have ads on TV. They have digital ads. Um, it's just Goliath. And it's, it's so ironic because they're arguing that this effort will really, you know, harm their profit while they make record profits. And while they seemingly seem to have infinite resources to fight this measure. And they see it as a slippery slope uh, because this would be a huge win for tenants. 
And we see it as a slip and slide because this is a huge win for tenants and we need it. And it's just the beginning. And so we're in this fight. I was knocking on doors today, talking to renters about it. Um, and so uh, similar to the minimum wage amendment, this is a huge, huge opportunity for working people to come up and show up. Right. And I think this is an issue that unites people of all political parties, because I think we can all agree that 10 percent rent hikes uh, should be against the law. Uh, and so as we face an affordability crisis, it'd be great if people like Ron DeSantis came out and supported this effort instead of being mum on it. Um, but again, when you follow the money, it seems pretty clear whose side he's on. What, what is the reception at the doors? Honestly, I've had the best conversations. <laughs> I was talking, I was uh, in an apartment today talking to folks about it and immediately folks were down for it because like it's common sense. Uh, you know, one of the biggest questions that we hear from renters when their rent goes up by 10, 20, 30% is like, this cannot be legal. This is price gouging, right? And it is. It's a basic consumer protection to have some just basic, you know, measures to make sure folks can stay housed. You know, housing is a finite good and it's a necessity. And this economy cannot run if people don't have homes, right? And so the reception has been awesome. And I think that what the Florida Realtors and the Apartment Association are doing is pretty transparently desperate. And these are entities that we fight all the time in the Florida legislature. And they are definitely planning, in addition to the lawsuit, in addition to the tens of thousands of dollars that they're trying to, to invest to stop this, this win, they're also planning preemptions next session to basically gut this, what we hope is a win here locally. Um, they, we know those things are in process. So this is an ongoing fight and they're again, tackling it from every way they can. Um, and so we're doing what we can. It's a very grassroots effort. You know, we do not have the infinite resources that they have, but the reception has been really good once folks know exactly what this is. But they're definitely spreading a lot of disinformation about it. Um, and, you know, ironically or not, you know, they're using far right language. They're calling rent stabilization a mandate. And that is a far right, you know, like trigger word, right? Calling everything they don't like a mandate. And so they did the same thing on that preemption bill I noted about wages. So this bill that we we defeated last session um, was being pushed by a big contractor and it basically would have uh, uh, repealed, for example, in Miami-Dade, your airport workers get a, get a wage that's higher than minimum wage, right? And they're contract workers. So they work for a public entity, it's a public contract, but they work for like a private company. And so different local governments have local laws around um, those workers will get paid 17 bucks an hour instead of 10, right? Um, and so this big contractor um, actually created a AstroTurf like fake front group uh, and pretended to be a small business and said that these measures were harming their business and they wanted to repeal every single one of these minimum wage um, increases in the state. And the proponents of that called it a wage mandate too. So they just throw the word mandate on everything they don't like. And so they're doing that on rent stabilization as well. And it's just it's just ridiculous. But generally, the reception's been really, really good. Um, and we're hopeful that we can have this win here locally. Yeah. Well, we're reaching top of the hour. Ida, this is, this is your shot to tell our massive audience in Orange County to go out and vote for rent stabilization. Yes. I'm like looking at, I have like literally yard signs. Like my, my porch has turned into like a little campaign shop for this effort. <laughs> uh, so yes, please vote yes on rent stabilization. It's on the back of your ballot. It is so important. It's going to help so many folks. And it's just the start of an amazing 
moment and movement for renters and working class people in the state. So please vote yes on rent stabilization. Do not listen to the lies on your YouTube channel and on your TV and in your mailbox. Shred those lies and vote for vote for rent stabilization in Orange County. Don't don't be a sucker. Don't 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 vote to protect your landlord. Come on. Anyways, I also want to point out that when we invited Ida, uh, she correctly noted that one of our listeners, uh, an anonymous listener, so whoever uh, you are out there, you're a coward, uh, criticized us for laughing too much. So there was minimal laughter in this podcast episode. We kept it very, very serious for you. So I hope you're happy. You've, you've killed our joy. There were no laughs. And there will be no mess going forward. Everyone was crying just like you wanted. Yeah. Are you happy, listener? <laughs> okay. I do just want to note that I do find joy to be a defiant emotion during these times. And it is like the heart of our survival. And at the same time, of course, there are some things that are completely devoid of joy. But um, joy is very important and powerful. And I hope we can hold on to it. Yeah. I don't Tell it to it. our listeners because apparently they need to hear it. <laughs> Things are depressing. Yeah. I get well, it. I totally get it. But find joy. <laughs> by the way, listen, keep, keep listening. But you know, we're 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 accommodating you. We're not going to laugh anymore. I hope you're happy because we're not. But uh, Ida, um, plug in. Uh, you know, where where can we find you? Where can we follow you? Is there any projects you want to plug in? Oh, thank you. Um, you know, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Ida underscore V underscore E. Um, I mean, honestly, just please vote. Not If you can help get out the vote, if you have any free time, if you're able, please help get out the vote. Find a candidate or issue that matters to you in your community and just get folks out to vote. And of course, vote. Those are, I think, my only asks right now. <laughs> um, any moment free I have, I'm knocking on doors right now. So just I, I really encourage folks to do that. Now is the time. Yeah, please, for God's sakes, go vote. But if you're going to go vote for fascist reactionary, stay home. Don't participate civically. Just vote if you're going to vote uh, in alignment with this podcast.